0: Oh my god, we've got the man, the myth, the legend today, Nick (laughs) Henton. I can't even. Hello, hello. (laughs) This is so exciting.
1: Yeah, I've been talking about doing it for a while. Finally, we got it worked out.
0: We really did. I know you are very much in demand, which is amazing. So.
1: Yeah, right now it seemed to be
0: seems to be the thing and you just got yeah. Rec- yeah. you just got recognized on Joe Rogan's podcast too which is amazing
1: oh yeah I yeah I almost forgot about that but no it's, to look back it's it's seriously yeah it was kind of surreal to hear and also right. kind of freaky I'm like I don't even know that I want that many people to know my name <laughs> like I don't <laughs> want to get all these insane messages and stuff but no it was, it was awesome and yeah I'm happy to be doing podcasts again and stuff like that
0: oh we love it well we love your information and you it it was really cool actually not to like fangirl you or anything you know um but it was funny because I would always follow your threads on Twitter and I found them super interesting and I was like oh someone else who thinks about this kind of stuff and then when I found out that we were both a part of gg33 I was like oh we're Mm -hmm. in well kind of right or are you
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm still in GG33. Okay, right. Um, But yeah, no, it was crazy. Like when I was writing all those threads, um, like that's what allowed me to meet all the people that think just like me. Like, you know, back in my hometown, like no one really cared about any of my crazy ideas. And like, I just kind of started writing about them. And when I started like my Twitter was originally just for me to like, talk to friends, I guess, or just tweet dumb jokes. And then I started posting all those threads and like I started meeting like people from GG33 and a bunch of other conspiracy theorists. And I didn't even know that there was other people like me out there. Like I thought I was one of the only people thinking this crazy stuff. So yeah, that was really cool.
0: Right. I kind of felt that same way. Um, Like when I found your threads, I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So I'm not the only one who sat here and just like tried to overly research the x files because i didn't know any other resources you know but i was Mm -hmm. like i absolutely love that show and i was like there's something here and that was like my spark you know like 10 years ago into this whole Mm -hmm. field of conspiracy and otherworldly
1: things so when i
0: when i found your stuff i was like oh hell yeah i want (laughs) to talk to that guy
1: (laughs) yeah times have definitely changed like we were on the wave before it really happened um now it's like I feel like everyone's talking about conspiracies nowadays,
0: right? It's like mainstream who would have thought. Mm-hmm. And we yeah, were all not, like the little nerd kids, not me. Not me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that quote by Paul Rudd, <laughs> not me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, real quick, because I always forget to do my intro. So I just want to say, thank you so much for being here on the flip side podcast, where we talk everything inside out, or I see, I messed it up <laughs> where we talk everything upside down and inside out. And that's definitely what we're going to do today. So I know I have some questions I've been really wanting to ask you. One of them being the Georgia Guidestones trip.
1: And, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. And now the man who destroyed one of them, you know. Don't say
1: that. I Put me on a list.
0: <laughs> oh, and no, not Nick. It's not Nick.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> they caught the guy.
1: Yeah, yeah. The guy that was seen driving away. Um, I, I didn't even look too deep into that. So can you tell me just like, before I tell that story, can you tell me like what exactly the deal was? Okay.
0: Yeah. So I'll share what I know. Cause I didn't look too deep either. Like, I can't remember the guy's name, but the other day or when was it? It was like the same day that CERN got turned on or something like that, maybe like a day after. And I go on Twitter and it's like the Georgia Guidestones. <laughs> like
1: somebody, Yeah. It was the day after.
0: Right. Like attempted bombing. And I was like, oh, like, Maybe we like this timeline. Like I don't know yeah, what happened, yeah. but this is interesting. And then I think maybe a week later they had the post of who the guy was, who did it. And of course, too, I, I always think about the little graph that you shared where it's like, what level of like schizophrenic versus <laughs>
1: like, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: conspiracy bound you are. And all that I re- read about the guy was that he was like, He was saying as he left he was like don't call me a hero i just have schizophrenia i did this for us all
1: i did see that i didn't know if that was fake or real or not
0: i didn't know either i didn't know if maybe he was just saying that and like you know those who know who know like
1: (laughs) the schizo we didn't ask for but the schizo we needed
0: one thousand (laughs) percent but yeah, So that's all the knowledge that I have, but I've been wanting to go see the Georgia Guidestones because I lived in Savannah, Georgia for five years during a, uh,
1: college and too late and now,
0: too late now. I had no <laughs> idea how close I was mm-hmm. missed opportunity,
1: mm-hmm. but so- yeah, the weird, the super weird synchronicity that happened with me and Drew tank, um, was that we were visiting Jekyll Island to do some esoteric investigating. And, um, maybe I can go into this later cause it's so long and convoluted. It's a crazy story. I'm still like, I'm going to include it in my third book, um, about our adventure to Jekyll Island. But basically while we were there, <clears throat> we were listening, you know, we just searched up on YouTube Jekyll Island. And so we're like, Hey, let's like walk around Jekyll Island while listening to a podcast about it and like learn as we walk around and see stuff. So basically I randomly clicked on this random, uh, YouTube video called like canaanite altars on jekyll island and okay. uh, yeah so so the long and convoluted part basically is the story of this man he has a vision from god he has to go to jekyll island he doesn't know why um he's complaining to god he's like dude i've been traveling for so long i just want to go home and that you know i was listening to that and that's kind of how i felt i was like dude i've been on the road for like one and a half years i just want to go home why am i doing this random schizophrenic adventure <laughs> but um
0: <laughs> because we can't stop no matter what
1: right right this is our you purpose keep, you have to keep pushing we have so, to get to
0: the bottom of it
1: <laughs> so so this guy basically he listens to god god's like listen stop complaining just go there you'll I'll, it'll all make sense when you get there and so when he gets there um through a weird series of synchronicities like he meets this uh this tour guide who like this historical tour guide of the island takes him to the uh takes him to the museum first and show him the, shows him these giant skeletons. And, you know, basically the guy comes to the conclusion that it's Nephilim. Um, and then the tour guide takes him to Rockefeller's house. It's called the Indian Mound House. And he's like, yeah, supposedly there's a, uh, a, an altar under here where they used to sacrifice children. And, you know, this is the exact spot where they conceived of the Federal Reserve. Anyways, that's, like not, that's not exactly how the story goes. But um, that when was he his goes there, notes. Yeah, that's a, spark notes, that's a spark notes version. So when he's in this building, um, basically he knows what he has to do at this point because his job is to travel around and pray over satanic altars and break them. So he's, he's in the Rockefeller house and he's praying for like an hour. And then he has another vision of him and Jesus, just like kicking over the satanic altar. And he hears a loud crack underneath the ground. And the, the tour guy is like, what the hell happened And they're Like, what's going on? And he's like, I think I, I think I did my job. <laughs> and, um, so anyways, apparently like a week later, or maybe two weeks, um, the Federal Reserve crashed in 2008. So the guy was basically used as a tool to like, put judgment on the Babylonian banking system that's in place in the United States. And um, so me and Drew were like, all inspired by this idea, we're like, dude, <laughs> like, we're gonna go visit the Georgia Guidestones, next. we should pray over them. So when we get there, that's what we do. We pray over the Georgia guide stones. And like, I, I, we didn't really think anything would happen. Like, we're like, it's just for fun kind of, you know, it's just a fun idea. We're like, maybe some, you know, maybe we'll get rid of a little bit of the satanic energy in this thing. Right. So, so this was on April 3rd. I still have the pictures in my camera roll to prove this. Um, So this was April 3rd that we get to the guide stones. We pray over them. Um, And yeah, I guess we just pray over them to go away or something, but um. exactly three months and three days later was July 6th and they exploded at four Oh three and 33 seconds in the morning. So for, you know, April 3rd, four, three, and there's even, yeah, there, I think, I think it's, so this thing also lies on the 34th parallel, you know, very, very close to the 33rd parallel. But if you search up Exodus 34, it's a Bible verse that says you shall pray over their satanic altars and break them and tear down their graven images and stuff like that is, you know, I don't want to think that we actually played a part in that because it just sounds really grandiose and insane. But it was definitely the weirdest string of synchronicities that, like, when we found out, we were like, holy shit, dude. <laughs>
0: Wait, so you guys didn't even plan, like, you didn't hear that beforehand. And we're like, we got to go on April 3rd.
1: And- right. No, no. Oh. We, just dro- we just drove from Jekyll Island straight to the Guidestones.
0: That is so cool. It <laughs> is so weird.
1: It is very weird.
0: It's almost, you know, what's funny though, too, is I'll sit here and I'll do that all the time. Oh, that's so weird. And then it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm shocked at myself that like how many times and like how big of a scale is it going to take for me to just finally believe this whole, whole we're all connected
1: thing, Mm -hmm. you know,
0: but that is so interesting. And Exodus three, four.
1: Exodus 34. Yeah. thirty four thirteen.
0: Wow. I have a Bible behind me. I'm going to pull it out later.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that but is yeah, so, so cool. But yeah, just like full disclosure, um, like, like, yeah, I really don't know what happened with that. I mean, it could have been something divine and mystical, but also there's the other aspect, like the deeper I looked into it, you know, there's also like, it seemed kind of ritualistic, like, you know, it happened on George Bush Sr.'s birthday, I think. Oh, and like wow. he, he, he was a skull and bones. I think it was, a, it would have been his 76th birthday and there was all these seventy sixes hidden in the numerology and he was a skull and bones member. So you have three, two, two, you know, the, the, right. the guide zones were founded on March 22nd
0: hmm. and stuff like
1: that. So, so, you know, I, I don't know. It could have been a mixture of both. Maybe just, it was all perfect timing.
0: Right. Maybe it's it was like, like, maybe it was a
1: sign just for me, you know?
0: Right. Right. And it's like the two sides of you know that that whole side of the skull and bones thing versus the the synchronicities of the bible verse and then something Mm -hmm. mystical it was like two forces coming together it's like destruction (laughs) I don't know
1: right so interesting and then yeah so the other thing that was a little freaky was like people were freaking out over the uh chapter in my second book that's all about paranormal hotspots. I think or no maybe it might have been Just a chapter on the 37th parallel. Okay. Um, Anyways, there's a there's a there's a paragraph in there where it talks about how the Transformers movie is predictive programming for something happening to the Hoover Dam. And then and then the Hoover Dam, there was a transformer that exploded on it. I don't know if you saw that. That happened a few days ago.
0: No, I missed that completely. What?
1: (laughs) So, yeah, so a lot of people are freaking out about that, too.
0: And you're like, um, I don't know what I've tapped into, but it's something.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's collective unconscious, whatever they call it. I don't know.
0: Right, and you're just able. To, you're the one that's able to kind of translate it into a language we can all understand. Maybe that's why the, you know, the following what? grew so much too. It's like
1: possibly you're able to put it yeah. all in
0: one place for us.
1: The yeah, I mean, I think the elite speak in. You know, I think they speak in a language that anyone can understand. Um, Shelby Downard called it the Twilight language. That's something I'm still learning about. But basically every like geographical location, um, like the names of cities and names of events, like, and even the names of people are all coded messages. And like, you can actually supposedly predict when a UFO will abduct someone or some kind of terrorist attack will happen all based on this Twilight language.
0: Ooh. You have I'll to look have...
1: up Shelby Downer. I, I, I don't know okay. that much about it yet, but I'll send you some links to that.
0: Okay. Yeah, please do. Wow. This is this is so cool. Okay. So after you guys went to the Georgia Guidestones, because I think I, I was following both of y'all's journey, um, and you guys did go to the Rockefeller House as well, right?
1: Yeah. So the Rockefeller House was at Jekyll Island.
0: Oh, okay. Sorry. So you went there first, then the Georgia Guidestones, and then was there a third part on that journey? that you guys yes okay so, what was the third that's...
1: part so real quick the funny part about the the rockefeller house yes yes <clears throat> that that story that that guy tells you know how we we're listening to that podcast right um basically when he met the tour guide you know or the historical guide whatever and he showed him those like giant skeletons we were like holy crap we got to go to the museum first so we went to the museum oh. first because we wanted to see the giant skeletons right and um you know they're not like super big they were like six six seven feet tall which was abnormally tall for for a native american indian right according according to this guy at least so he was assuming that they might have been nephilim or canaanites that's why the thing's called the canaanite altar the title of that youtube video but anyways um because also yeah native americans didn't typically sacrifice children so he's like this was something totally different um but anyways he goes in there he sees those skeletons and so me and drew we wanted to go see the same thing so we go there and um we walk in and it looks nothing like how they described in the interview and so I walk up to this lady and I'm like hey did you guys recently renovate this place and she's like oh yeah we when everything shut down during COVID we we totally redid the whole thing so I thought that was a little bit weird and then I was like you know and then there's this whole other half of the building off to the side that you just couldn't access and I was like okay well yeah we came here to see like the the Indian bones like is there any Indian bones here and she's like no, there's no Indian bones here. Let me nip that in the butt right now. She, she got like really weirdly mad about it. And, um, we're like, okay, crazy lady. And we just decided to leave. Like we looked around a little bit, but there's nothing too interesting. They made it all about like slavery and stuff. There's hardly any information about the Indians. Um, so yeah, the, the whole revamp, it seemed like, you know, they got rid of all the stuff about the Indians.
0: How weird too, that of course, when all of these, like when the, the, satanic conspiracies or whatever you want to call it. And the sacrificing of children stories were coming out. You know, it was very prevalent during the beginning of COVID, COVID 2020. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, wow, what a perfect time for them to just renovate everything.
1: Yeah, just erase history pretty much.
0: <laughs> right, so now it's like, okay, that, I mean, that, to me, that's like a red flag of, hey, we're, this is fishy. <laughs> right, know, that right. makes me believe the conspiracies more. Mm-hmm. So, oh so weird.
1: And so so right after that we decided to drive around the rest of the island and we're still listening to this podcast and so then we're inspired to go like we had already seen the Rockefeller house but it's all locked up all the time. Oh. So we, we we had just walked up to the porch and like pulled on the door and stuff. But you know, we're listening to the podcast again while driving and um we're like okay, let's go back to the Rockefeller house because the podcast is talking about how like we didn't know about the the it at this right. point. So we go there to confirm that its name was actually the Indian mountain house. And we find the sign, we take a picture of it. And it just so happens that the doors are unlocked. And so we wanted to go inside this place like that guy had, you know, and just explore around. So this time the doors are unlocked and it's because there's a tour going on. So, so we just walk right, Pat, we walk right through the door and, you know, we see the tour people and um, we don't even really realize we're not supposed to be in there. Right. You know, we thought there's just like, you know, open hours or something like that. So we just, you know, mosey on in and it's the same creepy lady from the from the museum doing the guide or doing the tour and uh just no one notices us and they funnel right out behind us and they lock us in the rock house oh. and we are yeah so we're, so we're like dude we're not supposed to be here but <laughs> we we decided to run around take pictures of everything and then like you know it wasn't Hell hard yeah. to, to unlock it and get out but okay,
0: that's what we good. did and
1: it good. felt that was... super
0: that was my next question. I was like, uh, did you guys get out? Yeah, yeah.
1: No, I'm recording. I'm recording from the from the attic. Right. But no, but no, so we end up getting out and um sometime later we end up going to like the clubhouse. Okay. And uh the clubhouses were like all the rich bankers would meet up and just like party and stuff. And so now it's just kind of like a hotel. And this, okay. is actually where, this is actually where the dude from the podcast was staying. So we wanted to go there and find the, the presidential suite because that's where he stayed. Wow. So we were just like kind of exploring around. And nothing too weird happened. It could have just been our conspiratorial brains. Um, but it seemed like this one lady was following us around. Like every mm. time we'd get to a new floor, she'd somehow be walking down the hallway from the opposite end. I don't know. It's kind of weird. But It is weird. I did take a picture of Drew and his girlfriend. And, um, I, I, didn't actually, I was just taking a picture of like, just for the memory of just like uh, us standing in the hallway. Right. And so they're, they're, there looking at a painting and, um, but I posted it on Twitter because there was a bunch of orbs in it and people pointed out how actually, if you look closer at the orbs, it looks like two of these orbs are actually the bottom of like some shoes. And like, you see shadows of legs going up from it and people pointed out to me that it looked like there was something like, you know, like an apparition manifesting uh-huh. or something like that. So that was all the cool stuff about Jekyll Island pretty much.
0: Right. I don't doubt that though, with the orbs, because if that lady was around too, that was the first thought of that I had was
1: like, and she, she's in that picture. It, I took that picture. As soon as we walked in the door, I didn't even know she was going to be following us or, but she's in that first picture I took. So, oh my God. Then- okay.
0: I gotta, I gotta look at these again. Cause I remember you posted something and I think I briefly looked at it, but then it didn't understand like what was really happening.
1: Yeah, I can resend it to you with like the uh like the red circle or whatever. Like I'll point oh, out yes, the please. area and, and I'll and I'll show you the <gasps> lady. Oh my god.
0: Oh did you ever watch Harry Potter?
1: Yeah, I did. I didn't finish the series, but I remember that I was like my friend, we were little when they first started coming out. Right. Like the first, second, and third. And so every birthday party he ever had was we had to go watch <laughs> Harry Potter. So I saw like the first three.
0: Right. Okay. So okay. Then you you might not have seen this, but in the last installment like the it's either the beginning seventh one or the second one I can't remember but there's um a snake woman and the woman like when you were just describing that it just reminds me of how this woman's body this old lady she was taken over by a snake which was one of like Voldemort's hall cruxes that they had to kill but the lady was dead already but it somehow manifested itself into the form of a woman and that just reminded me of this creepy lady that you're talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah. So sidebar. Your intuition might be on point there because dude, when I show you this picture, I don't know if it's just like low quality or something, but like her eyes are completely black and she looks Mm -mm. kind of, yeah, she looks kind of weird. There it
0: is, there it is. (laughs) Okay, so very cool. So you also said you've been traveling for the last two years too. So like, has this been a two years journey where you set off To explore all of these theories and research, or has it been more like, "Oh, I want to see the country," and then just all of this has happened?
1: Yeah, so I think that was like the original intention, but there was never really a plan. Like, I had extreme writer's block with this third book, and also I was just going through like a weird—you know—everything felt stagnant. I couldn't write, and also there was just other things going on where. I kind of felt like paranoid about certain things and like, <laughs> um, see <seeing, laughs> like, so I just needed to get out. I just needed to do something and kind of, I wanted to find myself. And I also just wanted to be, you know, be alone and be, I guess what the important part was like all the times I was alone, I was just reminded that the world is still a beautiful place. Right. Like, like I, I felt like, uh, God was taking care of me every step of the way. Cause even with no plan and like, not a lot of money, like things just still work themselves out. Like everywhere I went, there was like a friend or a family member that was just like, they would message me and see where I'm at and they would like want to hang out or give me a place to stay. And like, um, I, I even like met up with some of my strange family. I haven't talked to in years in Colorado and just, and just stayed with them. And it turned out that, um, like my cousin's husband was like a fan of my stuff. And so, so like we had breakfast like i slept there and in the morning we all had breakfast he came over and we just talked in the backyard for like a couple hours and yeah it was just like stuff like that that I was like this is so cool you know
0: right it's taking that moment to take a step back from everything we've been shown to see what's actually going on cuz even though i wasn't going on a two year trip just even taking the two years to reset i i love how you put that god was taking care of you every step of the way because i grew up in a not religious household. It was very open, which I appreciated. And I think that's why I've always loved different theories, different religions. Mm -hmm. And, um, I never, if you had asked me, you know, five years ago, Oh, would you ever be looking into Jesus and the Bible and all this stuff? I'd be like, well, I don't know, like maybe, maybe so. But I, I even found my own spiritual awakening with that over the last two years, just feeling like there were so many weird I use weird as a term for a lack of a better one that I can find right now. But just Mm -hmm. all those synchronicities that you're talking about where it's like, if you feel like you're in such a deep hole and then something just magical for like, is that the right word right now? But it is for me, yeah.
1: Yeah, that call to adventure.
0: Right, like something magical would just turn everything around and you're like, huh, there's something to this. So I love how you put that.
1: I always look at it as like, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of weird. So like, have you ever seen a worm tra- trying to cross the sidewalk and you feel bad for it and you pick it up and toss it in the grass?
0: Oh, so I know what you're talking about, but I have like a weird <laughs> phobia with worms.
1: So. Okay. Well, I don't, just I don't any-
0: touch them. I feel <laughs> and, you.
1: Okay. So so sometimes I do that. And like, some, some I use that analogy because like, I feel like God can do the same thing. It's like, you can oh, be in a wow. situation where you're like, holy crap, how am I going to get out of this? Like, crazy barren wasteland that is the sidewalk you know you don't see any end in sight but then something just picks you up and tosses you somewhere else in an instant and you know that can happen at any time and we you know that's why I think it's important I think it's important to not ever feel stuck like have faith in the seemingly impossible
0: right I love that and that's such a metaphor for what you do for work too like right
1: yeah I had no idea of would be doing this
0: (laughs) the seemingly impossible everything
1: Everything. I mean (laughs) It all started working out when I was in college. I literally had decided like, okay, I'm just giving up. I'm going to take the normal route and just go to school for philosophy, I guess, which I knew, like, I, I was like, this might just end up being a huge waste of time because there's no career for philosophers, really. You have to just be a philosopher. Right. But, but I wanted to be in that environment and just learn and not like, I wanted to learn how to use my mind for work rather than my body. Cause I was landscaping all the time. Mm. And like, I really enjoyed doing that. Like I enjoyed working with plants and digging holes and just doing hard stuff. because It makes your it quiets your mind. Right. Um, but you know, it becomes brutal at some points. And I was just watching all these, like, you know, older men hunched over smoking cigarettes, being like, I can't fucking wait to go home. And I'm like, I don't want this to be my future. So I want to figure out a way to use my mind because I was listening to all those like inspirational videos at the time where it's like, you got to figure out a way to turn your ideas into money because ideas are infinite and time is limited you know, like the, the Napoleon Hill type stuff or Tony Robbins, but. Right. And all of
0: that is great. But when you start looking at it too, it's like, uh, very you,
1: they
0: don't, they don't really teach to have grace for yourself too. So right, or
1: give yourself time.
0: Right. So you get kind of like locked in that. And then you're like, why the fuck isn't this happening for me?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I really thought that like, cause my dream was always to be like some kind of artist and I was like, well, this is just not going to happen. So I give up, I'm going to go to school. And then it happened, you know, <laughs> after I, I after I let it, let the idea go, that's when it came.
0: <laughs> and what, what a rule for yeah, life.
1: I th- <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's the biggest problem with law of attraction is like, you can do all of your affirmations and your meditations and visualizations, but if you're hanging on too tight, you know, you're emitting that lack frequency.
0: Right. And,
1: um, but yeah, if you put all that intention out so strongly and then you just leave it alone and give it time to grow, I think that's when it does actually you know, start to germinate.
0: Yep, you are not wrong. Anytime, because I'm somebody too who, um, okay, so I'm a, I'm a life path nine, speaking of some numerology. And uh, I feel like I'm constantly in my mind. And I also feel like I have the willpower to work hard. So submitting for me, Has been like the greatest lesson ever Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) and been very difficult but anytime I've just said exactly what you said I give up it's always happened
1: (laughs) right yeah it's either it's either when you're it's either when you finally give it up let it go or like we were talking about earlier you take that leap of faith and build your pair build your parachute on the way type of thing like I think when you finally go on that crazy life-changing adventure you've always wanted to go on whether it be like oh, I just want to see what New York's like or you know all those things we tell mm-hmm. ourselves like oh well, it's just not realistic right now like I feel like as soon as you disregard how realistic it is and you do it anyways like and you're finally lost at sea like oh. that's when the real that's when the real adventure begins and like you start you know yeah I'm I'm a lost for words but I feel like that's when it actually happens when you put yourself in the chaos like yeah. that's when God actually shows up
0: oh Uh, you cannot be more right. (laughs) Like, I'm just reflecting on my own life now. Yeah, it's just submitting, like Mm -hmm. you said, with grace. So I I feel you. And I feel like that's kind of what you're talking about too, when you are, how you've gotten to the place that you're at now. So when you wrote a book as well, was that before you were landscaping during or what made you write the book? Um,
1: Yeah, that was all going on during landscaping. And, and, Well, yeah. So like when I'd come home from school in the summers, I was landscaping and, you know, going back and forth. And so um, basically what going to philosophy school or doing class on philosophy, whatever, what that taught me was how to actually write about a complex idea and make it sound kind of simple or at least help people with the context to understand what I'm saying instead of just be like, oh, there's a supercomputer inside of Saturn, you know, like that you sound like a crazy person. But if you break it down into steps, it makes sense. And so I was just writing for fun theories that I'd thought about for a very long time, in essay format, right? And just just in my free time. And then one day when I was landscaping, I just got home from school. We were doing this job that was like on an island, like two hours away. And um, I remember on the truck drive home. Like, I don't know if it was intuition or God or whatever, but it was like, you should just post one of your essays on Twitter because you have two hours to just sit in the truck. So why not copy and paste them into tiny little, you know, 250 character things. Right. So that's what, yeah. And that's how that started.
0: And that is how Nick Hinton was born. Mm -hmm. Like the entity that the internet knows. (laughs) Obviously you're more multifaceted than just Mm -hmm. that, but that is. That is very cool. It's always those sparks of ideas that come to us in the most unexpected times,
1: like riding in
0: the car, like you're talking about.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what makes manifestation actually fun or like achieving something actually fun. Cause I think it, like, if you knew exactly how it was going to work out, it wouldn't be interesting. So I think, all that matters is the beginning point and the end point. And then in between, that's where the synchronicity takes over. And that's what makes life interesting. Is like, if you knew your life word for word, it wouldn't really be worth living.
0: Oh, okay. Speaking of this. So on my last episode, I have not released it yet, but we talked a lot about timelines and timeline jumping. Mm-hmm. So when you are talking about the, the beginning and the end point of one's life, how do you personally feel about a destiny concept versus we're always creating this new reality and new potential that could lead to whatever endpoint.
1: Um, well, I do believe that the end, like the beginning and the end are always going to be the same. Oh, okay. And like, at least for the world. Um, and that, that might be true for individuals. I wrestle with this idea. Like sometimes I think, okay, God places a dream in everyone's heart. Like, I don't think we choose our own desires. Like, I think that you're just, I think you're just born with like these goals and ambitions, Um, and that's what makes us all unique. It's like, you know, everyone wants to achieve their dreams, but everyone's got a different dream. And I don't think that we necessarily choose them. Um, and so, yeah, so part of me feels like it's up to us. Like, that's where the whole free will thing comes in, like, and the multiple and the multiple paths between A and B. Like, I think it's so you're supposed to be this person at the end. And there's a million different paths to get there. But the thing I'm confused about is like, I, like I said, I think it's up to us to use free will to actually become what we were supposed to be. And the world would just be a better place if you did.
0: Right. You are, I feel like you might be having the same issue with this concept that I'm currently overthinking about in my spare time
1: Is free. Is it free? will?
0: yeah, it's just the concept of like, do we actually even have free will or, I mean, we think we do. I think I do. Right. And so it's funny because no, I didn't ever go to school for philosophy, but I've always considered- You don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've always, I've always weirdly taken my free time to do that. So that's one of the thoughts that I, I've been tending to a lot recently because I think I always get a little bit tripped up too when it comes to even like meeting certain people in your life or mm-hmm. taking certain jobs. It's like, is this a stepping stone? Is this part of the destiny? And then, you know, just in my brain that likes to overthink, I guess I have fun with it. You know, that's the other thing, too, is I can sit here and be like, oh, I'm overthinking screw that. And I'm like, I think I have fun with it. Otherwise, I would just stop. Um, But yeah, so I've been tending to this idea and I really am. I'm I'm stumped on it right now. I'm not even going to lie.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have been just going to the Bible lately to reference things. And, um, you know, even that's confusing because it says like an idea that's really comforting is God says, I've known you since before you're in the womb and I've ordered all of your footsteps, Mm. but also in order to like accept God and have God in your life, you have to use your free will to accept him. So it's like, is, has he, did he lead me to find him? Did he find me rather, you know? So, so like, you know, cause I feel like at this point he's basically forcing me to believe in him. You know, I've, 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 I've argued my whole entire life. Like, no, no, no. I got to find this other thing. I got to find this other thing. I got to find this other secret. But yeah, no, the, you bringing up like the people you meet is interesting because dude, when I was writing that Saturn, the Saturn essays, mm-hmm. like, and I was still landscaping, the most unsuspecting person was already privy to all that stuff. Like it was this, right. it was, it was like this six-year-old landscaper dude that I would work with all the time. Cause he'd request me. He'd be like, yeah, I want to work with Nick.
0: Well, and right. he was
1: like this r- really older guy pretty slow, but yeah, we would just talk about, he's like, yeah, my wife saw a reptilian. Yeah. There's a supercomputer inside Saturn. Like he just t- like, and he was so interesting to be around. So even though work yes. sucks, like he was awesome to talk to and he believed in God. He's like, the answer to all right. this is God. He was always telling me that.
0: Oh, and this is 100% the way that you said, I think he's forcing me to, is I was always that person that was trying to seek elsewhere. Um, mm-hmm. just like not accept what was right in front of me.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a consistent basis. <laughs> yeah, we just don't like I feel like the problem is, is we don't want a simple answer. We want to make life more complicated than it is. And, and that's, that's why we're even in the mess that we are in is because everything's <laughs> gotta be everything's gotta be you know progressing and advancing and it's just fucking everything up really.
0: And it's so funny too because if you the the way that I so I've I've started doing a lot of meditation And through that process, because again, I think I was, if I, I don't like putting terms on myself, but uh, if anything, I I grew up more of an anxiously, like an anxious person, I guess. Um, And so when I started meditating and realizing all of the things that I could do just for myself and through my own mind versus having all this extra technology that humans think that they need to build. And then realizing how much is already with us and how crazy that mind jump was.
1: Mm-hmm. Just like I understand what you're saying, like just being um, understanding how to use your surroundings, basically, I guess, like being right. in any situation and be like, there's some way I could figure this out. I don't need the tools. There's there's something. I can figure out and do in any moment. Like I understand what you're saying. As long as you calm down, take a step back and allow yourself to think, there's always a solution, I feel like. Right.
0: And it's exactly what you're talking about when it's like the collective. It's like everybody thinks they need to be like putting out all of this like actionary energy. And that's just creating all the chaos a bit. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Like you know, you're, you know, you're you're sticking your hand in the water and you're trying to collect all the mud particles and put them back into place but you're just making it more cloudy. Like sometimes you just got to let it relax.
0: Oh, I like that. That is a good metaphor. I'm a big sucker for a good metaphor. <laughs> i not even going to lie. <laughs> okay. So also too, speaking of this two-year trip, I want to go back to this because I just find this super interesting. I'm from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I think that this might've been a part of your travels um, mm-hmm. if I saw it, but you were hanging out in North Carolina for a good bit, Correct.
1: Yes. So I was in Wilmington in Fayetteville visiting uh Ryan Bledsoe. Um, because yes. he had read my second book and he thought it was really interesting. So he reached out to me on Reddit and I completely stopped answering Reddit messages because I hate that platform. Right. <laughs> but 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 um so yeah, anyways, I just happened to look at them and read this kid's story. He's like, Hey, I got your book and blah 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 my dad was abducted by a ufo and you know some of the stuff you said in your book actually resonates with his experience and like it'd be awesome if we could just like get in contact with each other and chat and you know i wasn't even i didn't even fully believe this guy you know when I, when he first reached out to me i was like you know i get so many messages about people being abducted by ufos and stuff like that yeah. it's hard to it's hard to pick and choose um and you know for the most part i do believe a lot of people i think that they're there's no real reason to lie. But anyways, I responded to Ryan, you know, eventually we exchanged phone numbers. And then, yeah, like a year later, I went and visited him. And then he introduced me to his dad. And uh, long story short, we saw UFOs at the at the Fayetteville property.
0: It's so crazy, because Fayetteville is like maybe 30 minutes away from my hometown. Uh, I grew up in Winston, Salem. Okay. And I've always been that person who's like, but this is why they don't want to show themselves to me is because I'm that person. It's like, I want to see you. <laughs> like, Please show, show yourself to me, the mm-hmm. UFOs. And so knowing that you were in Fayetteville, like so close to me and how that they just must be keeping tabs on this family, huh? Like they were just yeah. so there.
1: Yeah, dude. So if you follow Ryan's dad on Instagram, I uh, think I did. Cr- I
0: think after that, I did start following them.
1: Yeah, he, he's posting videos of orbs in his backyard every single night. And so for people that don't know this guy, like, yeah, he's one of the most famous UFO abductees in the UFO community. Like the CIA and NASA are studying him heavily. They're kind of friends with some of these people. And yeah, it's a really, really crazy story. And that's what like enticed me to go down there. I was like, dude, this is going to be wild. And yeah, I was lucky enough to, to see some stuff. Um, uh,
0: what, did, what did you see? Did you see like craft or can you talk about it? Or
1: um, yeah, I could talk about it. So like, <laughs> the the first thing that happened was, so I I think this was it was during the Super Bowl of 2021, I think. Okay. And so so it was like February something, um, and the, and the only reason I remember that is because like we had hung out at the at the house all day at the Fayetteville property, and then as it started to get dark, we're like, Hey, we're all going to go out for tacos. And I was like, all right, sweet. So we all went to this Mexican restaurant and the super bowl is playing on TV. So I remember, and people were being, and people were messaging me at that time being like the weekends inside of a cube. Um, <laughs> so oh, because I, the, I, the Saturn time cube. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I remember all that very in detail. Um, and so when we got home, uh, Ryan said, his mom wanted to meet me. So like I go in the house and she's like, I heard you're an author. Tell me about your books. And like I sit down for like one second. And as I'm starting to talk, I hear Chris yell, Nick, get out here. Get out here. And I just like stand up and I look at her and she's like, ah, go ahead. Because, um, you know, she knows that this happens all the time. She just kind of like doesn't care anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she's like, this is a Tuesday night.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, so, so I run out there and he's like, oh, they, they just went away. But they're just out here. They're playing games with you. So I turn around to go back in, just as I'm like getting through the door, he yells at me again. I turn around and there's this long like rod shooting through the tree line and it's blinking like bright white, like a strobe light. And so that was the first thing I saw. And then after that, we just like went deeper into the backyard and stared at the sky and he like called out to them. And I started seeing like, like just orbs of light like way up high in the clouds, like next to the clouds or sometimes behind them. They get real bright and real big and they move in some circular patterns or like you know, just okay. wavy patterns, and then they dim out again and disappear. And I saw like 15 of those. So not not like a flying sauce or anything, but definitely an something.
0: unidentified something. Yeah. Right. Um, I just had an episode two where we went in depth with um the documents released by the CIA for alien uh technology whatever but they've changed the name now did you know this they've changed yeah, the, the, U, the uap uap and then they also said strange high strangeness
1: high strangeness. well that's been around for a while
0: okay okay i didn't know that until
1: like <laughs> three I'm a, months I'm ago a, i'm obsessed with high strangeness,
0: <laughs> right and i was like okay now that that your your experience sounds like a high strangeness experience <laughs>
1: Oh, I mean, it's even, it's, it's definitely even weirder than I let on because, because I totally forgot about all this, but this is going to be in the third book. Like I'm trying to, I try, I try to document every single synchronicity that happened along the way, but, um, I was in Washington, um, hanging out with my friend and Ryan and I wake up and I totally forgot that I had this, uh, meeting with a psychic and I almost canceled, but I'm like, Hey, just give me five minutes. I'm just waking up. Um, you know, I'll be ready in a moment. So I call him as soon as I'm ready. And, uh, he does his psychic reading or whatever. And he, he tells me, uh, yeah, you were Merlin's apprentice in a past life and you've got the name Hathor written on your forehead. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what any of that means, but you know, thanks for the time. Here's your money. And then, you know, I get a call from Ryan like immediately after. And he's like, dude, guess what? Guess what? I forgot to tell you this. Like my dad figured out the name of the alien that abducted him. And I'm like, what? What is it? And he's like, it's Hathor. And I was like, bro, you won't fucking believe this. So I told him. Oh, I, my God. And then it, it, so it gets even stranger. So I'm still in Washington. I, you know, I get off the phone with Ryan. We freak out for a little bit. And we're like, yeah, as soon as I'm out of Washington, I'm definitely going to meet up with you, you know, because <laughs> of right. the stuff that was going on between us. Um, but first, you know, I leave Washington, I take a train to Idaho to visit my other friend. And so I'm out there for like a week. And then I decide to fly down to the Carolinas to visit Ryan for the first time. And, um, he picks me up at the airport and I'm just kind of in a bad mood because I missed my flight. And I was at the like Washington airport for like a long time. I think it was like Spokane. I think I had to go back to Washington in order to catch a plane. Oh my God. So, yeah. So I was, I think I was in Spokane, but, um, Anyways, I missed my flight and so I was in kind of a bad mood. So Ryan, like, as soon as he picks me up, he's like, what's the next thing you're going to write about? And I was like, I don't know, fucking space whales. You know, I was just making shit up. I, I didn't really have any clue what I was going to be writing about next and I was just kind of crabby. But the weird thing is that when we got to his house, he starts showing me all of his, uh, like, CIA, NASA memorabilia <laughs> that, they, that these people had given him over the years. Love um, it. And so... Then he starts showing me his book collection. And so he shows me this one book by John B. Alexander. That's the guy who led Project Stargate. Oh, okay. If you ever watched the movie Men Who Stare at Goats, um, George Clooney is based on this real person, John B. Oh, Alexander. Okay. Right. And so he's also a friend of uh, Ryan's dad, Chris Bledsoe. And so he pulls out this book and it's called Reality Denied. And I'm like, Ryan, do you see what's on the cover of that fucking book? And he's like, no, what is it? I was like, it's a space whale like there's literally so yeah so that was one of the weir- and why and then and oh then God. so then this is where it like culminates in high strangeness so you know after a few days of just hanging out around wilmington we travel down to fayetteville and um you know i meet his dad and um the first thing we do <clears throat> is we just sit in his like little cabin like uh, in the very very back of the yard near the woods kind of and that's where he does like woodwork and stuff okay and so we go in there and he's like, uh, you know, telling me all these stories um, about himself. And he's like, um, yeah, the CIA and NASA, they have all sorts of weird beliefs about me. Some say I'm the reincarnation of Moses because, number one, the, one of their trees in their backyard uh, spontaneously combusted. I
0: fire. saw that video.
1: Yeah. And they couldn't put it out. And so for a while, people from all over around the world were, you know, traveling there to like get the magical powers from this tree. Cause it grew, it, it was a dead tree that grew back after, oh the, after the fire. That's, yeah.
0: Okay. Cause also to a lot of people, myself included have always been a bit skeptical about spontaneously combusting. <laughs> <But> that <laughs> happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So people, you know, they would travel all around the world to go there and, you know, get the magical powers from this tree. Like I said, it was a dead tree that came back to life after it caught on fire and it finally stopped. Cause yeah, they kept trying to put it out and it keep reigniting. But anyway, anyways, um, yeah. So he's like, yeah. So I meet Chris and he's telling me, yeah, the CIA has all sorts of weird beliefs about me. Some say I'm the reincarnation of Moses, some say I'm Galileo and other, other say I'm Merlin. And I was like, well, I'm supposedly Merlin's apprentice. So, you know, <laughs> you're supposed to teach me something, I guess. Um, what? And, and then, you know, a little bit later in the conversation, he starts talking about um how he went to this meeting with some NASA scientists. And uh he's talking about what he saw when he went up to space with this alien. And he's like, Yeah, I was telling him that space is a lot more like water and there's all these different water creatures up there. And I looked at Ryan, I was like, fucking space wheels, dude. Um, so you know, we freaked out about that, but he was telling us that like the water up there is like antimatter or something, it's this opposite of our world. So we can't tell it's water, but it's it's a different form of matter. That's water. That's he was trying to describe it. And I didn't necessarily understand, but he said, there's, there's creatures that swim around up there. So, and then I recently found out literally two days, like this has all happened in 2021, but I, I just found out like a day or two ago that the whole space whale thing uh uh-huh. is like kind of legitimate. <laughs> I, was t- I was, I was telling my friend this story and he told me that he was reading through really, really old um, like manuscripts based on the works of John D And apparently John D like astral projected to like the highest realm he could possibly go. And when he was up there, he saw God and my friends like, you know what God looked like to him? And I was like, what? He's like a whale covered in eyes. And yeah. And this whale swallows John D and then he's in this other dimension where there's all these gates to different realms and stuff. But personally, I don't think that's what God actually looks like. I think that might've been like one of the great old ones or something (laughs) like a fallen angel or a.
0: it could have that. Yeah, that sounds terrifying, but I don't know. Maybe you feel really peaceful amongst the all-seeing whale.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's it's definitely a really cool, like my friend's working on a comic and he's like, I'm going to make you a character in the comic. Uh, What do you want to be doing? And I was like, I want to be a sailor who's in space, like on a a space sailboat hunting down (laughs) the space whale.
0: How funny. Little did you know, just missing your flight led to this
1: whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's that. Yeah, that's like the destiny thing or the fate thing. It's so confusing. Right. We're going full
0: circle here.
1: Like, really, it was my own dumb mistakes that made me late. (laughs) But maybe God was ordering my footsteps. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Right. And you still got to the same destination.
1: Right, right, right.
0: That's just the thing, too. And I guess then we can go into the whole relativity of time. And if time's not real, then. There are no mistakes. And then <laughs> it's just a path, like you said. And we could be here for hours on this one thing. <laughs> like,
1: definitely, definitely. People spend their whole lives talking about it.
0: Right. So, okay. Speaking of philosophy, too, this is just a side note. And I wanted to ask you earlier when you said you went to school for this, but did they make you read Hitler's manuscript in your philosophy class?
1: no why <laughs> okay. no we never mind comp
0: mind comp yeah
1: no we never had to read that um
0: okay because for some reason this guy <laughs> who i met like two years ago really random dude who like you know just randomly had a conversation and speaking of like that coworker you had that just started talking about random things it was mm-hmm. kind of that that energy and um this guy had apparently gone to school and, and graduated in philosophy, whatever. And he was like, yeah, the first thing that we ever had to do was read Mein Kampf, And then we had to, like, translate our own opinions on it. Um, interesting.
1: Well, yeah, every teacher is different.
0: Right. And I was like, that sounds like a really interesting class. Just mm-hmm. first day. Here you go. So I just was curious if this was a thing <laughs> in the, the realm of philosophy.
1: That would be um, a really heavy thing to begin with. Actually, what we began right. with, one of the first topics was free will.
0: Okay. And that's cool. it.
1: And that, we had to write an essay about that. And that's where I formulated all these ideas that I'm talking about now. Like, I remember when I wrote that essay, I, the way I described it was, you know, I, my thoughts have changed a little bit. But when I wrote that essay, I was under the impression that, like, everything is nature and nurture. And Mm. even, even like life paths, like the the numerology and astrology. So we're all born with all these influences making us who we are. So you kind of don't have free will. But I thought that if there was the right, like mixture of trauma, and just the right mixture of like people bringing you random knowledge, there was the potential for you to cut your strings. And you know, right. like a puppet cut your strings and become a real boy.
0: <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. And we talk about this a lot too in the like kundalini class that I do um, about, you know, when you're clearing Akashic records or clearing old karma and how that's affecting your life in the now versus if you were to, you know, have to go through, um, I always pronounce this wrong. I'm sorry. Samsara, Samhara, the reincarnation. Yeah, cycle. I'm sorry. I think. Yeah. Right, samsara. So it's like, do you, you just don't have to live certain things you were going to maybe live here in this lifetime later. So yeah, it's just super interesting. It's what is, what is taking over my brain these days? And I'm having a lot of fun with it, but Mm -hmm. super interesting. And then that, that goes into Dolores Cannon's work too, which I don't know how much you've like studied her
1: stuff. Just a, just a very minimal amount. Like, I mean, I've listened to some of her lectures and fallen asleep to them.
0: Right, she's very Uh, peaceful.
1: (laughs) mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't I don't know like the details.
0: Right. Okay. So I just kind of started reading her her books and I'm I'm kind of a newbie with her as well. So one cool thing that she said, and this just kind of goes with the the samsara free will thing, is if we look at our life before we come here, wherever that you know, whatever dimension, whatever realm that is, before we are born into this 3D physical realm, she said if you look at a bowl of marbles and you know, before you are born, you pick which marbles or which significant events you want to experience in each lifetime. And so it's like, do we end up picking like, maybe there's these chapters where it's like, okay, like you said, from A to B, but maybe it's like, A, 1.5. Right, right. (laughs) See, you know, I don't know. So it's been a really interesting concept to me too. And uh, I'm like, well, what happens when you get here? And say you transmute a bunch of stuff, and you're like, I, I don't want that one anymore. Put that marble mm. back. <laughs> like, can you do that?
1: <laughs> well, I definitely know that. You know, I wasn't like you were talking about earlier, how you were raised in an open household, yeah. like religious-wise. Like, so I wasn't raised to believe in really anything. I was just kind of Same. off to my own devices. So, like, we went to church, like superficially. Like, we'd go on Easter and Christmas. You know, it's just like tradition. Yeah, yeah. But for the most part, like throughout middle school and high school, I was like atheist and really into science. I was too. This
0: is, this is funny. I'm,
1: I'm having a lot of parallels with you right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, but I always had an interest in like the paranormal. Like my dad was always watching um, like, that's where we really bonded was like watching the history channel when they do the stuff about like, Oh, ghost hunters or like um, hunting Bigfoot, Loch Ness monster UFOs. Like I always wanted to see UFOs since I was a kid, especially once my dad told me the story of how he saw one when he was younger and and lived in like a haunted house uh so like i think that's where his interest in watching all those programs came from yeah um and yeah and that's that's probably where mine came from as well but like at one point i definitely went way deeper than (laughs) he expected and he's like all right you're taking this too far like it's just entertainment
0: (laughs) (laughs) don't we all we all get to that like one you know that first like dark night of the soul with all of this and you're like Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah. So like I was talking about earlier, like I originally thought that no one was into the same stuff. I was I thought I was out there alone. And there was only a few web pages of just insane ramblings that related to me. And I was never going to meet these people. You know what I mean? Right. And so,
0: okay, back, I think I might've cut you off there. Um, So when you were watching all this stuff with your dad, and then it's like, you have these like moments of these significant events, it's like. Was that moment of him showing you those movies like that was the significant event, you know, was it a marble?
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Starting to wonder,
0: I'm starting to wonder, too. Crazy It's crazy. Okay. so what do you have in store or what do you want to be doing? In the next few months or in the near future, besides releasing the book that you haven't maybe told anybody yet?
1: Dude, honestly, I have no idea. Like my main focus, like I'm just laser beam focused on this book
0: Love and
1: it. honestly just want to like live a normal life. I mean, not that my life's too crazy right now, but like I don't really have any desire to go do more like extravagant things. Like I just want, I want to settle down somewhere. And like, that's really Aww. it. But, I'm, but I mean, I might like, I I'm always going to be interested in like writing, but I might move over to fiction. Cause that's just like really fun. Right. Or, like, you can write
0: about the space whales.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's, that's actually an idea that I was thinking about. Um, you should do it. but yeah, like stuff like that, like anything that deals with art, like music, um, even film, like I'd love to Ooh. make like a film. It doesn't have to be a huge film. It could just be something that I get a few friends to help with. <clears throat> right. Put it, put it on YouTube or something. Um, but yeah, like art, music, fiction books, stuff like that.
0: It's so funny that you said that too, because I I love to ask that question when I, when I start to hit like the hour mark, um, on the episodes, because I always want to see like, you know, what people's aspirations are, what, what they're doing. And a lot of people have actually asked me outside of the podcast, like what, what are your next steps too? And the reason I love this question is because it's kind of like what you're saying. It's like, I've never been more at peace or just wanting simplicity. Like mm-hmm. everything in my life has been super um, chaotic's not the right word, but just overloaded in whether mm-hmm. it's information or action I needed to take. And so I love how you just said you just want to like be because I feel yeah. that totally.
1: Just be I like, do. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I find it sounds so silly, but I find so much joy in just like waking up, doing like the household chores, yeah. you know going, going to get co- going to get coffee sitting and reading something, like going to the gym, just like simple things, just like, you know, you're still being productive, but it's not like towards any like grandiose goal.
0: Right, and you for, I, if you had told me that I would have found a joy in cleaning or like <laughs> doing that kind of stuff, I'd be like, you're crazy. I, I don't know what, I've never liked this. And now I'm like, oh, I get to like clean my house and blah, blah, blah. I'm oh, sorry, someone's calling right. me. you like, click one second um no
1: you're all good I yeah. got distracted earlier from a call
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know right I was like it's always when you got to do a podcast always
1: mm-hmm.
0: um but yeah so it I don't know I think that's beautiful too because in the midst of everything that you're doing I think it sounds if I'm making a judgment about you it sounds like your life is pretty fun whether you are seeking anything or not
1: <laughs> so yeah, I mean I I like stupid things. I mean, it's not very enlightened of me or whatever, but I like just going, like going to the park or going to like a a theme park or watching a funny show. I love it. But I think honestly, like, you know, when we're younger and we have like all these crazy ambitions of like, I want to change the world. Like, I feel like that's almost like a projection of wanting to change your own life. Like you want to, you want to put it out into the world rather inside yourself. And like, like those little things we were talking about, that's just taking care of your own life, which actually does ripple out into the world and make it a better place when you're a better person.
0: Facts. That's the the best thing I, cause you know, at the beginning too, with the, the pandemic, it was like, everybody was so quick to want to take action and like be the voice of reason and like fight for things. And I was kind of on that too. And I re- <clears throat> recognized very, well, I guess maybe it was actually pretty, pretty quick in the the grand scheme of things but um I really the only thing you can do is take care of yourself
1: mm-hmm. and I forget who the guy is but there is this mystic that I used to you know just read quotes by him I wasn't reading any of his books I'm not gonna lie and, and say I read <laughs> all okay. these books but but there was this mystic I was looking into and he had this, this like awesome quote I can't remember the whole thing but it was something like you know, the same way that you have your own karma to deal with, the world has its own karma. So it's going to continue to do what it does. Don't try and change it for it, you know, something like that.
0: Oh, I like that. I like that. And that was the other thing, too, is when you can't control, you can't control anybody else during this whole process because that's their own thing to go through.
1: Right. You, yeah, yeah. the more you try and control them, the more they push back, anyways. So, like, just
0: to each mm-hmm. their
1: own. Yeah. And when you actually do change your own life, I feel like, People are more willing to listen to your crazy ramblings in the first place. You know, they're like, you know, they see that you have like that sparkle in your eye and you're a different person. And they're like, I want what that person has. I'm going to ask them a question rather than get unprompted, crazy tangents about Saturn. And
0: (laughs) that used to be so me is like, here's an impromptu tangent. Please listen to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Good. Self-awareness is wonderful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Changes your life. But yo, thank you so much for being on here. I honestly would love to talk to you for like three more hours, but um, I'm not going to do that to you. And uh, I just really, really appreciate you sharing uh, an hour with me in this space because I've always wanted to pick your brain with a bunch of stuff. And if you're willing to come back on, like when second season starts, I would love to have you back because I want to hear more about this book. I want to dive into it whenever you release it. And yeah, I'm just excited to see all the other things that happen in the world. We can meet back up for conversation. And... I'm
1: definitely down for a part two.
0: Oh, amazing. Because who knows, maybe the second guidestone will <laughs> yeah. be destroyed by the time we talk again.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's. I mean, I need to get this book out before anything more crazy happens. It's like, <laughs> I can't keep up.
0: <laughs> Your book's going to be like 700
1: yeah. pages. Literally the never-ending story.
0: Oh, God. Well, how cool, though. You know, maybe that's, that's what it's going to be. You're just going to write all these little tidbits forever. It's going to be the never ending story Nick, <laughs> with Nick Hinton, Merlin's assistant.
1: The Supposedly. Mystic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: You never know. <laughs> all right, y'all. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the flip side podcast where we talk everything upside down and inside out. And we had Nick Hinton on here. Y'all, this is crazy. He's the guy you're the guy (laughs) all right thank you so much for coming on and i will talk to you soon yeah all right thank you too bye